Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. Genesis 50, 20 is one of those special verses for me because it highlights a story in the book of Genesis about a man named Joseph. Now Joseph was the youngest of his large group of brothers and he was loved by his father more than his brothers and they got jealous of him and so they ended up selling him into slavery. He ended up working for a man in Egypt. He was accused, falsely accused. He was thrown in prison. He was forgotten in prison for years. And then finally he had an opportunity to show his skills. And he was released from prison. And he was actually put in second command of the country of Egypt. From there, he was able to lead the kingdom in how to manage their crops. And so when a famine came... They had food to eat, so much food that even his family came from where they were living to Egypt to get food, and they realized that Joseph was there in the country, and they were scared, and Joseph met them with forgiveness, and he actually allowed his family to move to Egypt, and he was able to save his family and the entire known world because of those actions. And we get to Genesis 50, 20, and we hear it said, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so when we look at the story of Joseph, we see him involved in violence where he is sold into slavery. We see him out of place where he is a foreigner in Egypt. We see this tempting and this temptation where this woman comes and tempts him and he refuses to give in to the temptation of adultery and lust and he is then wrongfully, falsely accused and thrown into prison. He is then exalted to this place of second in command of the country and he saves the nation and his entire family from starvation. It's an incredible story. And this incredible story says to us that nothing will stop God from making a way for His chosen people. Nothing will stop God from making a way for His chosen people. We see later in the Old Testament that there's this story of a woman named Esther. And the story of Esther, the entire book of Esther, is about her story and about her uncle Mordecai. And they were not, they were Jewish, but they were not living in Israel. They were living in Babylon. And they were living in Persia. And there, Mordecai was raising his niece, Esther. And the king of that time ends up getting very mad at his queen, casts her out, and then sends out trials, takes trials, the the bachelor, um, the Persian bachelor, and recruits all these women for these trials to find a new queen. And Esther gets recruited and Esther gets chosen to be the new queen. And then there's this man named Haman who hates 
Mordecai. He goes out and he tells everybody to bow down to him. But Esther's monk, uncle, Munkle, Esther's uncle, <laughs> Esther's uncle Mordecai refuses to bow down to him. And so Haman makes it his, makes it his mission to get rid of Mordecai. Well, the king actually really likes Mordecai, and he, he makes him famous. And Haman hates Mordecai now more than ever, and he decides to make a way to kill all the Jews. Haman hates the Jews so much because of Mordecai that he goes to the king and convinces him to let him kill everyone. And what he does is he, is he casts lots, he rolls the dice to figure out the day, of when that's going to happen, and he sets a date, and he sets it in stone, and there's this particular day set aside for Haman to have everybody go out and kill the Jewish people. And Mordecai finds out about this. Mordecai goes to Esther and says, Esther, you've got to go to the king, and you've got to tell him to stop. And long story short, Esther eventually does go to the king, convinces him that this is, a, this is a problem, reveals Haman to be this evil man. And the plot gets reversed. Haman had this plan that he was going to take Mordecai and he was going to hang him from a tree, a gallows, in front of everybody to make fun of him and kill the Jewish people. And what Mordecai and Esther end up doing is they end up going out to the king and the king reverses the rules and says the Jewish people are supposed to go and protect themselves. And they go out and they protect themselves and they actually end up with more riches in a better spot because of this situation. And Haman ends up being hanged on the gallows, hanged from the tree instead of Mordecai. And in Esther... Chapter 9, it says, Mordecai recorded these events, and he sent letters to all the Jews throughout the provinces of King Xerxes, near and far, to have them celebrate annually the 14th and 15th day of the month, as the time when the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month when their sorrow was turned into joy, and their mourning into a day of celebration. He wrote them to observe the days of days of feasting and joy and giving presents of food to one another and gifts to the poor. In this story, we see they experienced violence. The Jews were actually exiled to Persia. We see them out of place, living as foreigners. And that Mordecai was raising his niece and that Esther, a Jew, was the queen of Persia. We see testing and temptation. Where Mordecai was tested to see if he would bow to Haman. And Esther was tested to see if she would go to the king or not. We see that Mordecai was falsely accused by Haman. But we also see that Mordecai was exalted. That he was put in this place of honor. And we see that through the actions of Mordecai and Esther, the Jewish people were saved. And that Haman, Haman actually got the punishment. 
Haman got hung on the tree instead of Mordecai. That story resulted in a Jewish feast, the Jewish feast of Purim. And it's called Purim because in, in the Jewish language, to cast lots is P-U-R, the pure. And so it was the celebration of the casting of lots around this whole situation where Haman cast lots on the day and God actually stepped in and reversed things. Instead of that being the day of their doom, it was the day of their victory, the day of their triumph. It was a day that proved that nothing will stop God from making a way for His chosen people. It doesn't matter who attacks them. It doesn't matter what they are up against. Nothing will stop God from making a way for His chosen people. And the Jews were to celebrate this festival every year. And they would have this feast celebrating God's triumph. And they would dress up and reenact the story. And the crowd that was watching the story, they would, they would cheer whenever Mordecai was there. And they would boo every time that Haman was there. It's this celebration that a great evil would be cast onto God's people. And that the effort of that evil would backfire to the point of eradicating the threat. Now we know that these events, events like the story of Joseph, events like the story of Esther, are not the end of the story for us. We know that when we look at those stories, they are examples of how God fights for His chosen people. And that they are actually foreshadowing, looking forward to a story that hadn't yet happened. They are looking forward to the story of Jesus. In the Gospels, the New Testament, the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we get the story of Jesus And we know by reading those stories that he too went through violence. That even as a child, as a baby, the king of that time hated the idea of Jesus. And he sent out word to kill all the baby boys. And Jesus had to flee to another country in order to avoid being killed as a child. We know that he was out of place. Like Joseph and Esther and Mordecai, he was out of place because he is God himself, but on earth in a human form. We know that he went through testing and temptations and trials. He was tested by Satan in the desert. He was tested in the garden of whether or not he would give up. And he refused to give in, just like Mordecai, just like Esther, just like Joseph. We know that he was falsely accused and punished. The Satan and the religious leaders began plotting against Jesus. And they stood him in front of the crowd and they falsely accused him. And they too had a tree to hang him on. But we also know that Jesus was exalted. And that he did not stay dead. And he was resurrected to life after he was crucified. 
And in doing so, he defeated death. That it wasn't that he was hung on the tree and he was defeated, but he was hung on the tree to defeat sin. And that one day he will come back and he will bring victory over sin and death permanently. And that Jesus defeated sin by letting it attack him with everything it had. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 to 15, it says this. Paul writes this about Jesus. He says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross." Nothing will stop God from making a way for His chosen people. Joseph, Esther, pointed to how God was going to save us in Christ. And the Jews were to celebrate that every year in anticipation of Jesus coming to be hung on a tree but not to be defeated by the tree, to hang on the tree so that the enemy could be hung on the tree and defeated. All of us in this place bring with us, bring with us stuff. Some of you are here today and you are feeling overwhelmed and defeated by the sin that's in your life. Some of you, it is the guilt of the sin that you have carried for years and you feel ashamed and you feel scared that anybody would find out about it. You feel worthless. You feel like a failure. You feel like you don't belong and you feel like no one could actually love you and you feel like you don't deserve to be here. Some of you are wrestling with temptations and addictions. And you want to stop sinning. You want to change your life. You don't want those things in your life. But every time the temptation comes, you give in. Every time that the opportunity is there, you fail. Every time that your kid messes up, instead of being patient, you scream at them. Every time that something pops up on your computer, on your computer, you have to watch it. Every time that you are there and there is an opportunity to take advantage of somebody, you take advantage, or you tell a lie, or you steal, or you're rude to somebody, or you abuse, or you let your anger take over, whatever it is, or you have this inability to forgive other people, and you can see that barrier building, and that sin is there, and you can feel it destroying you, and you feel like you are losing the battle against it. Others of you here, feel completely overwhelmed and defeated because you are a follower of Christ. And it feels like every time that you admit that, whether it's at work or at school, in your family, or just with your friend group, whatever it is, and you feel like you're constantly being attacked, that you're being bombarded. 
and you're not sure if you can even you can even share your faith in your own home because of what people are going to say and how they're going to react and what they're going to do. You're scared to admit to it out in public. You don't post anything like that online because of how people are going to shame you and attack you and say these things about you. And you've actually had people abandon you and hurt you because of your faith. And others, others you have felt that way just because of the values that you hold and you feel like they are taking advantage of you. For some of you, it's at school or work and you just refuse to go along with what everybody else is doing. And because of that, they attack you and they, and they throw you down, they throw you to the wolves. And it's hard, it's really, really hard because you want those relationships and because it looks like everybody else is cheating and getting ahead. And you're the one that's paying the price. Others of you are here and you just feel the pain of this world. It feels like you're losing people. That you have lost people. There are health issues, limitations, there's cancer, there's car accidents, trying to have kids and you can't have kids. There are changes that come and you just feel lonely. There are relationships that you valued that have just caused hurt. There are divorces and breakups and abandonments. And it feels like all that is pressing in on you and it is attacking you and it is all up against you. It feels like Joseph being sold into slavery and then falsely accused and thrown into prison and forgotten. It feels like Esther and Mordecai living in a foreign nation and then being attacked and not only being attacked but having the, this powerful man make a way and declaring to the entire country that you are to be hated, you are to be destroyed and that you are to lose and you will be killed. It feels like Christ there being now falsely accused and attacked and then tortured and placed on a cross to be killed in front of everybody. And it feels like that attack is on you. But I want you to know that nothing will stop God from making a way for His chosen people. And we look at these stories and we look at the story of Esther and we look at the story of Joseph and we look at the story of Christ and we see that nothing, no effort of man, no attack of the enemy will be able to stop God from making a way for His chosen people. And I am here today to tell you that you are His chosen people. Nothing will stop God from making a way for you. That sin, you don't need to carry that sin anymore. Because of the victory of Christ on the cross where He 
died and he nailed that sin and death to the cross, he says to you, you are forgiven. You don't need to carry your past sins anymore. That is forgiven. That is removed. We nailed that to the cross. It is dead. It's done and gone. And you are righteous. And when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. You don't need to be ashamed. You don't need to feel guilty. You're not guilty anymore. He regenerates our heart and gives us the power to say no to sin. He gives us the faith and the strength to move on, to see change. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to have power to change things inside of us from the inside out. And he changes our heart and gives us victory over sin, victory over temptation, victory over addictions. And he gives us this promise and says, I'm fighting for you. And even when you mess up, I still love you. He makes a way to fix relationships. To make new open doors that aren't determined by your past. He sees the persecution and the pressure that you face. And he has a supernatural ability to give you strength to endure. He's able to make you feel so worthy and valuable that it does not matter what anyone says or does to you because you know deep, deep down in fullness and truth that you are loved by God, you are made by God, and you are chosen by God. And nobody can deny that. They can say it, but it won't matter because he has put that so firmly in your heart. He has given us the promise that it doesn't matter what other people say or do, they cannot have the eternal effect on you. They may be able to harm your body, but they cannot do damage to your eternal soul. And the pain of life, we serve a God who raised Christ from the dead. And if he can raise Christ from the dead, he can heal bodies. And he can heal minds. And he can heal hearts. And he can heal relationships. And he can provide strength. And he gives us a promise that the pain that we face is momentary. It is short term. And he gives us a promise that all the evil that comes in at us God will reverse and he will use it for good. Because nothing, not sin, not persecution, not pressure, not pain, will ever be able to stop God from making a way for his chosen people, making a way for you. And what that means for us is, is really a couple things. The first is that as you are facing these things and you feel the evil pushing in on you, He is giving you hope to say it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what the world is throwing at you. He is making a way. And nothing that they do, your people in your life or Satan and his minions, what they do, nothing they do can stop Him from making a way for you. And you have that hope. The second thing is 
is you've got to decide. You've got to choose to be chosen. In Esther chapter 4, verse 14, Mordecai says this to Esther as she's trying to figure out whether or not it is worth the risk to go to the king. This is what Mordecai says to his niece. He says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's people will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mordecai is making it very clear to Esther that she has been chosen by God, but she has to choose to be chosen. And if she refuses to accept that call, then she is going to miss out. There are going to be consequences. And if she chooses not to be chosen for that task, then she is going to miss out. There are going to be consequences for her and for those around her. But if she chooses to be chosen, God is going to do an incredible work to save her and save those around her. And so for us today, we have two things. Some of you are here and you need to choose to be chosen by God and accept that calling, accept that He wants to save you, accept that He wants you to be His. And you've got to surrender your life to Christ and accept His forgiveness, accept that you are a sinner, accept that He wants to forgive you and set you free and and let Him come and guide your life, fill your life, give you real, true, everlasting, unshakable life that starts right now. And for others of you here, you need to accept, you need to choose to be chosen, that you have been chosen to share that love with other people. And that He has chosen you to share your faith, to make a difference, to take care of the poor, to take care of those in need, to be kind to those that everyone else rejects, to forgive those that nobody else wants to go around because they think they're gross, because they think they're disgusting, because they think they're worthless. To go and share your faith with the people that need some hope. And you have been chosen to do that. And if you refuse to be chosen, God will find a way. God will find a way for His chosen people. But you're going to miss out. But if you choose to be chosen today, nothing, nothing will stop God from making a way for you. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. 